Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Amen. We've begun part one of what we're calling the Born Identity. We're very excited about it. This coming month, our creative team is going to be putting together this program for you. So that's part one. So you've got to come next week to hear the rest, see what else happens to our young man as he's discovering who he is. So who were we born to be? You know, we had a very heavy presentation on abortion as we celebrate the right to life this, this month. And <clears throat> but we want to talk about, we want to kind of get past that. We want to move on to what God has called us to be and to do. This, is, this question, you know, of who we were born to be is a great question. It's probably one of the most difficult questions to answer if you believe what the Bible teaches about the sovereignty of God and the knowledge of God. So does God have a plan for us? Do we have a born identity, if you will, that we have yet to even fully tap into? I believe the answer is yes. And that's what we're going to be talking about this month. Finding out who God has called us to be. And I guarantee you it is much further, much deeper, much more expanded than I think you even understand. The truth is when you say yes to Jesus Christ and your heart is illumined to the truth, then you begin a journey that is full of purpose. It's full of possibilities. In our video story, you're going to see a young man who has been hijacked and has lost his identity as a, re as a result. He begins a journey to find out who he is. And we can be just like him. Our lives can be hijacked. We can go through a time of, of confusion where we forget who we are, who we're called to be. A fog of, of misplaced priorities, busyness of life, and an insufficient understanding of who we're called to be can hijack our life, there's no doubt. So what does the Bible tell us? Let's, let's go ahead and jump on in. First of all, what does the Bible say from the heart of the Father? God has spoken to us. In the Old Testament, he communicated this very strongly. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, God says to his creation, to Adam and Eve, he says to them, be fruitful and multiply. He says, go forward. He didn't say, look, it's going to be just you two, and that's all there's going to be. He said, no, go. I've created you for the purpose. Everything I've placed on the earth has seed in it. Now go. Be fruitful and multiply. And he also said, go and subdue the earth. Subdue it. We'll talk more about that. Matter of fact, let's read that section of Scripture. And God said, let us make mankind in our image, in God's image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the air over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This is the first instruction of God to man. So what does God expect? 
when we looked at that, when we, we get to the original. And you know what? When you study the Bible, the principle of first mention, what, what, what is said to us in the beginning is so critical because not only do we go back to remember what it is that God has told us, but it also is a part of everything he says thereafter. In other words, his heart, his foundation is going to be plugged into everything from there on. I and mean, we do that as parents. And that's exactly what our daddy did. He expects us to marry. He expects us to have families. He expects us to take charge of the earth and steward our home. To improve it. To improve life. That's his heart. God gives a special grace upon us to do that. And we see that, you know, in sciences. We see that in, in how some of us have a special anointing that I believe that's from the very heart of God. 66% of scientists today believe in God. And when you do a study of, and, and you can do it, just Google it sometime, Christian inventors, it'll blow your mind that how some of the, the greatest inventions of all time have all come from God-fearing men and women. Not all of them, but a majority. Incredible. 76% of all doctors today believe in God. Now that's encouraging, isn't it? I didn't do a check on lawyers. We won't do that one. <laughs> Maybe I should. <laughs> but if you want to know more, you can go to icr.org for a complete list of inventors and scientists who were Christians. And it's, it's encouraging. And my point is this, is that that comes from God. That God said, look, I want you to go and I want you to improve the earth. I want you to go and I want you to, to, to be fruitful and to multiply. And yet, we've got think tanks and people out there who are trying to second guess God and basically remove God and try to run this earth without him when that was not his intent at all. And it's amazing that those who do fear him, they think that we sit on our hands. We, they think that we don't do anything with all of that. But the truth is, man, when we get our heart full of the blessing of God, when we get it full of an understanding of God, God fills us with incredible wisdom, insight, and ability to take what he has given us in this wonderful earth and make the most of it. And it's awesome. So God wants us to be fruitful and multiply. Secondly, the Father wants us to go and to glorify his name. In other words, he didn't just say go and multiply, go and do wonderful things and forget him. And that's the key. He said, look, I want you to go and then I want you to remember me and I want you to tell others about me and I want you to raise your children so that they know about me so that generation after generation after generation will honor and fear the Lord. That was his heart. See, we're all given just one life. I, you know, I know what the Eastern philosophy is. I know what is taught out there that you get a chance to come back and make good on it. Or, you know, maybe you're going to come back as a cow or you'll come back as a flea. That'd be a bummer deal right there. Reincarnation, they call it? Uh-uh. It's not what, it's not biblical. I'm afraid it's a, it's a wish. I'm afraid it's kind of a twisted, demonic lie. It's what it is. But God gives us one life, and we're in, within that life, we're given a freedom to create just as he did. Because remember what he said. He said, I make you in my image. And he makes us in, 
in his image in every way. In every way. So it's amazing that when we get closer to God, what we come out of, of that is, it, I believe, is even a clearer mind. And we can tap into our potential of who God has created us to be and, and to do I mean, it is amazing sometimes when you read, and we'd love to do this as a family, to find the aha moments. And a lot of times those were preceded by a frustration of throwing down wires and books and studies and notes and finally just say, God, show me what to do. And God shows up and says, I will. I know I've stepped on a lot of toes today. But... Please hear me, that all of this is couched in God's wonderful love and God's mercy. God wants, us to, God wants us to prosper. God wants us to be filled with joy. But he says, this is how it's going to happen. This is how it's going to play out. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, it says, the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich. Oh, man, that's one of my favorite verses, right? Yours too? Maybe? And you know, I looked up at least a half a dozen uh, um, translations on this, all pretty much says the same thing. The blessing of the Lord makes a person, person wealthy or rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. Powerful verse. Because how many of you know that, man, you can be blessed with a lot or being, being given this wonderful bucket, but in the bottom of that bucket's a hole. You ever wonder that? I do it all the time. Pull up my wallet. Where'd that money go? <laughs> Turns out I've got elves who come in, in the night and take it out. But anyway, but we can have buckets in our life. And that's exactly what this is talking about. See, God wants us to go and, and to be fruitful and multiply and to be blessed and to honor his name. And it says, the blessing of the Lord comes from who? The Lord. And he adds no sorrow to it. In other words, God wants to bless you and God wants to continue to bless that blessing. Uh-oh. Because see, if we think we're doing it on our own and we think we're driving our own lives and we think we're doing things in our own strength, then we really bypass the blessing of God. And even at some time, maybe we did experience the favor of God and then we turn away from him and we begin to see sorrow upon sorrow upon sorrow upon sorrow. And we think, well, you know, I can handle that much sorrow. And then we go another year into our life, like maybe I can handle that much sorrow. Or after a decade, we've got so much sorrow there and we've tried every self-help book, we've turned to everything that we know and we've listened to every talk show and we've listened to everybody who could try to, to, to encourage us and to live life without blessing. It doesn't work in the end. And God says, that's not my heart for you. And Jesus made it very clear. He said, you know, this is how I want you to pray. He says, I know you're all Jews, and I know you, you, you've grown up, and you, you, you understand. One thing Jews understood is that God was real. They understood the fear of God. They understood the mountain that could not be touched. They understood it very clearly. He says, but I'm bringing a new age, a new era of grace. And he says, this is how I want you to respond to my daddy. This is how he wants you to come to him. And how does he start the prayer? My father who lives in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's not just a liturgy, by the way. It's not just something you pray before a baseball game. It's not just something you say before dinner. It is a priority. It's pure and simple. You're just saying, look, today I recognize 
that my born identity is to glorify God. That's where it begins. And that's where it will end, by the way. But that every day you wake up and you say, I am born for this, to honor my God, to glorify him. And that invades every decision of your life, or it should. For you to be able to tap into what God has for you. But see, we're humans, and we're fearful, and we, we bail because we just can't see it. But God says, look, you know, I, I'm not going to give you the crystal ball and show you how your life is going to play out. What I want you to do is to trust me. God sent him out into a, a desert for heaven's sake. And he says, I will take care of you for the next 40 years. Now, you and I would do a paper on that. Or there would be a class in college how living in the desert is not a good idea. It, you, you hear what I'm saying? And God says, no, you've got to follow me. I'm going to take you out there. But how am I going to get fed? I'll take care of it. But how am I going to get water? I'll take care of it. We should just go back to Egypt. Isn't that what they said over and over again? See, glory does not come from the easy route, by the way. You want to experience the glory of God? Then you need to follow him and watch him. and Watch his mighty hand bring a purpose out of your life you never could have asked or imagined. See, our heart is the chalkboard, and God wants to write upon it. Yeah, there are times when we have to clean it off because we get too busy and, and start writing in things that we want to be a part of our life. And God says, no, 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 I need you to, to remove that part because that wasn't me. I want to write upon it a clean slate. And then we need to walk through those doors that God provides. See, we can be and do almost anything and make it kingdom. I believe this. I've preached it before. I'll say it again. You know what? You say, well, I could be a truck driver. I could be an artist. I could be a research scientist. I could be so many different things that God has called me to be. And yet we immediately think, well, that, gosh, I don't see how that works into the kingdom. So I guess it's not going to be. And we just move on. And God says, no, 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 no. I'm going to glorify my name through you in so many creative and different ways. It's going to boggle your mind. See, God gave us four different gospels, four different uh, visions of who Christ is, just so that we would get it. And God also used the scripture. He used poetry. He used narrative. He used history. He used all kinds, wise sayings. He used every imaginable literary tool in order for us to get it. You like poetry? There's plenty of that. You like it short and sweet? Read the book of Proverbs. You like romances? Hey, read the book of Genesis. Full of it. God wants to get your heart. He wants to capture it and convince you that you know what? You can be and do anything and glorify his name. You know, you've heard me say it before. I've had some dead-end jobs, man. And think to myself, and wish that I wasn't doing it and wish my life away until I realized, you know what? No, 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 no. I'm going to glorify God right now in the midst of what I'm doing. Bussing tables at a restaurant. Seems like a menial job. And every time, you know, every once in a while I walk into a restaurant and I'll see somebody that won't look me in the eye or they've just look completely bored out of their minds. I want to look at them and say, hey, hey, is there something else you'd rather be doing? And usually yes. 
But I want to just take a moment to say, can I sit you down? Look, if you'd get a hold of Jesus right now, then you'd see that you have unbelievable opportunities even while you're busting those tables right now. I mean, if you just begin to see and open your eyes to the possibilities, instead of just sitting in front of a television or wearing your thumbs out on a smartphone or playing computer games and becoming the best Xbox Halo player in the world. I ain't doing that in heaven, by the way. I understand. But you can do and be. Don't, don't wish your life away, but embrace where God has you. That's, that's the father, by the way. That's daddy who says, now go, be fruitful and multiply, multiply and glorify my name in whatever you do. See, that's a whole different perspective, isn't it? Now, I know what you're saying. You're saying, oh, I'm not quite convinced, David. That's still a little boring. It's green eggs and hams. Try it. You'll like it. You'll see. Deuteronomy 28, 13 says, the Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Now, I don't see anything about, anything in there about that comes from man or any kind of process or any kind of formula. It's very simple. The Lord says, I'm going to do this. I will put you at the top. If, and those are those two letters again, if you pay attention to the commands the Lord your God has given you this day, and that includes respecting life, that includes respecting what you do with your finances, that means that you love people. So we're gonna turn that corner here in just a second. But look at Proverbs 16, verse three. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. If you, you start out in this life or wherever you are in this journey, maybe you've gotten off the path and the reason why things are not going as well for you or maybe you've forgotten who you have called, been called to be, man, you can get right back on it right now by just simply doing this, this, this wise thing. Commit your life to God. Just say, Lord, I'm, I'm tired of fighting you. I'm tired of trying to go through the motions. I'm try, tired of trying to you know, bypass a life that is fully committed to you. And you know what? You don't fool God. You don't fool him. You, know, you can fool your friends. You can fool your family. You can go through the motions. You can show up in church. You can, you can look the smile. You can look the part. You can dress the part. But God knows. God knows where our heart is and where our priorities really lay. Truly he does. And he says, and I will make your plan succeed. Jumping ahead, Jesus said, you'll know a person by their fruit, not by their smile. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God through the Father through him, Colossians 3, 17. I like that, whatever you do. Even the simplest mundane job can have unbelievable implications for the kingdom. You know, you heard me talk about my dad, and my dad always amazed me. But uh, in his retired life, before he ended up being as, as subdued as he is now, he worked at Burger King in the drive through window. Look, you go through the drive through with my dad there, you're going to know him, and he's going to know everything about you. You're going to have about three minutes to get through that line. I guarantee you he's going to ask you every single question, and he's going to know you 
And he was going to pick you apart. And he was going to learn the coffee you had and what you liked in it. And he was going to give you a little history lesson before you're done. Now, you just had to just sit in there and listen. But he was going to tell you what happened on that day. And he's going to tell you the significance of the background. And he would, uh, that was my dad. And I always would encourage me to think, you know what? My dad has embraced purpose in a situation that most people would just see as mundane and a dead-end job. But man, he saw it as his job to encourage everyone who came through and to educate them. Nobody told him he couldn't. Matter of fact, when people came through the line and they found out that Harold was not at the drive through thing, they'd just say, oh, they drove across the street and went to Hardy's. <laughs> so the manager just said, well, we got to work, you know, Harold all the time. That's a pretty smart thing to do, by the way. The second thing, so we know the heart of the Father. Go forth and multiply. Love people. Share them. Tell them who this is coming from. Let's talk about the heart of the Son, and then we'll finish. The heart of the Son was pretty simple. In Mark chapter 30, Jesus made it pretty clear. He just said, look, let me tell you. Look, can I just boil it down to you, you rascals? He said, it's this. Love God, love people. He said, look, I mean, if we could boil it all down to this, this is love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? He said, I mean, that covers it all. He said, love him with everything. And watch how that affects your life. Watch how it enties every knot. Watch how it affects your decision making. Watch how you treat yourself and how you treat others. Of course, that's where it all begins. But he says, if you will love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, he said, that will set everything back in order. And then he says, now, just because... He knows how we are and how we're bent. It's how we tend to be a little proud and that what we can say, yeah, look, I know God. You don't really know God. I know God. To fix it and to balance it all, he says, now you've got to love people. Whew. That's the hardest part of being a Christian, by the way. Am I right? I mean, it's easy loving God. God puts up with us. But you know what? We don't always put up with one another. And you know what? To love other people, Jesus knew it. It was just like, you could see the disciples all sitting there in a circle, and he's going, love God with all your heart, and they're high-fiving. Yeah, man, and it's like, this is, this is great. And he says, now you gotta love each other. What? But I don't like Peter, man. He's too brash and pushy. And John, man, all he wants to do is pray. He's, he's, he's so heavenly-minded, he's no earthly good. Jesus, come on. But they had to love one another. And he said, no, 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 no. They will know that you are Christians by your love for one another. So Jesus got it right, obviously. See, when people would rather save a tree than a baby, we know something is terribly misunderstood. See, loving people... And I understand, you know, I understand, you know, the argument, the science all behind it, but, you know, if we'll just clear our mind and we'll just connect with, with Daddy. You know, the whole what would Jesus do thing is kind of mocked now. Still true, though. 
what would Jesus do in these situations? Well, we, he told us, love people. Love them, with, love them like you love yourself, and even more so. Because he went on, because they're like this, so love people, so you know. But he said, wait, 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 let me show you what I literally mean. If they ask you for your coat, give them your cloak as well. <sighs> Jesus, you're making this hard. Mm-hmm. Because he knows our propensity to get spiritual, to get proud, to love one another is what fixes all that. And it's part of who we're called to be. Jesus said, look, let me tell you what your born identity is. Yes, it's to love God. And the Father said that. And that's to glorify his, his name through your life. But he said, now, let me show you part of your identity is to love people and to care for people. And then he goes on and says, look, I've come that people could be saved. See, I, some of us don't go far enough. We, we just become a part of the love connection and just go on and run loving people. Back in the 60s, man, it was all about love. But it ended up screwing up a lot of people's lives because that love was not based on a God love. It was more like, well, I'm gonna love you until I get everything I want from you and then I'm moving on. A very selfish love. We learned later that the agape love is completely opposite. It's I pour out and give you everything and expect nothing in return. Woo. So Jesus, after all of his ministry, we're pulling this together and, and get ready to finish here because we're just laying a foundation today. Jesus pulls them all together. He's getting ready to go to heaven. Their hearts are broken. They're like, how could you leave us? He says, look, Guys, I've given you the message. In three years, I've shown you what my priority in my heart is. And there's nothing left undone, guys. So what I want you to do is to tell everybody else about me. And get doing it. Got one life. One opportunity. To share that life. And what will grow out of you is passion. What will grow out of you? You're going to see what you're, you're, how you were made and what, and, and what are those circumstances and, and how, you know, you know my bro, one of my brothers, his name is Fred. He's, he's a diesel mechanic. He was dyslexic. He, he, didn't, he quit school about ninth grade, didn't finish. I think he went back and got a GED. He just, school never worked for him. But you put a motor in that boy's hands. Oh, my gosh. And the things that he can do with his hands, and, 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 and I mean, I could give him any kind of a little engine or part, and really Jamie's that way too. You just put those little things in front of him, just like, and just going, wow, that's amazing. Those are God things, by the way. And, and what God wants us to do is to find out what is our bend, what is our created you know, shape. And then when we stick our, 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 our sail into the spirit of God, to go within the direction that he is, he's mapped out for us. Man, we're going to go. We're going to fly. And it's going to be awesome. And yet, so a lot of us, we, we work against that. And we want to be something that God has not created us to be. Or that, you know, we, we, we just stumble around. And when we just finally yield to him, then we can be that. But my point is this. Whatever you end up being, God says, while you're doing it, tell people about me. I hope you get that point today. Because see, that, that, that's not just for a few people. 
That wasn't just for the disciples. That wasn't just, you know, Moses walked up and said, I can't go over there and tell people about you. I can't even barely talk. I stutter, apparently. He had a stuttering problem. He says, well, okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll get Aaron doing it. He didn't let him off the hook. Well, I don't have enough money. I'm not, you know, influ- influential enough, or, or I was born this way, or I was born that way. God just says, look, I want to use it all, and I can use it all. See, but man's ways are not God's ways. And we try to rethink God. And God just loves using the people that we discount. And so when we get Matthew 28, 18 through 20, when he says, now believe, go and tell people about me. Go and tell the world. Again, that's not just a missions mandate. That is my mandate. That's your mandate. Go and tell others about the love of Jesus and how they can be saved. So this is key. This is foundational. The Father has said, look, be fruitful and multiply. Increase. Do whatever it takes to multiply and be fruitful because then you're going to bring glory to the Father because that's your motivation to do that. And then when people ask you, man, how are you? I mean, where is this coming from? You can say, let me introduce you to my Savior. Jesus. That's our born identity. To begin, we got much more to talk about over the next month. But I'm telling you, this is where it starts. And when we get that, in whatever you're called to do, there's going to be so much light and so much purpose and so much joy and so much satisfaction and so much reward that comes from that when we do. So that, man, we can look back at our life and just say, you know what? I didn't get done all I wanted to do. But here, you pass on the baton to someone else and say, take it here. Take it from, and take it on to the next generation. So what we should declare today is I am born a child of God. I am born a child of God, and I'm called for his purposes. When we can embrace that, folks, then we start a journey that's very exciting, full of a lot of crazy stuff. But I love that verse that says, you know, I think I read it last week, that many are the difficulties of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. And in the end, <laughs> we tell others about how God did it, and that's cool. I love it, and I hope you love it too. Because we're beginning this journey. And this month we're going to talk more about it. You're going to see more what happens to our, our, uh, our character and our story. I want you to tell us, others about it. And this is a great month to, to bring friends, to bring people that you want them to hear the gospel. And that's how you can do that. Tell people about our Jesus. Because he loves us and he's for us. And that's good stuff, isn't it? Amen.